So as we were discussing um, last night, um, in the Sirius Omer, there's two parts. There's saying the Omer, then there's a prayer we say after the counting of the Omer, then there's a, not a prayer, it's more like a statement. Prayer is that we should fix up whatever it is in ourselves that, that we're supposed to fix up that day. And there's 49 parts of the soul that we need to fix, rectify, perfect. And then we say, make this declaration. And thereby, by doing this, there will be an abundance, not just, there will be a flow of divine energy. How much of a flow? A lot. Shefarav, a huge abundance of divine flow, spiritual, physical. Not just in this world, in all the worlds. So what we see from here is, is that when there's something that's slightly upgraded in ourselves, it has an impact far beyond we could possibly imagine. It says in the Torah, Gam God put the world in their hearts. What that means is, is that the whole world is in the heart of a Jew, and a Jew fixes one tiny thing in his heart, Ayudeh is it's a declaration, it's a statement, that's how it works. Yush b'shefer that causes an incredible change in all the worlds. So that's the purpose, um, that's, that's the advantage, that's a skula, the power of these days, they were able to um, rectify any deficiency in our character in this, this time, it's a special blessing this time of year. And even if you don't know each day what that day is about, it doesn't really matter. It's a day that, these days are good days to fix all of the, anything negative. Like we see about the story of the students of Akiva. This is a time when you could fix the, a more general issue of just giving respect to other people, uh, just being, uh, being a mensch. Obviously, the Akiva students were, were uh, a different subject, what, the, what their issue was. But it's the reason that the story was told to us in such a uh, clear language is in order that we should also learn something in our own world. How that translates. Okay, let's go to the mimer. I sent you the mimer of Shmuel. It's on your, in your phone. The, the mimer is based upon the pasuk, Parshas Emor, which talks about the mitzvah of counting the Omer. Says the pasuk, You should count for yourself the day after Shabbos, from the day that you bring the wave offering. You should count for yourself. It's a mitzvah each person to count the Omer. The day after Shabbos, we'll see what that means. Um, and what day is that? The, the Torah says the day after Shabbos is the day that you bring this, this, this sacrifice. And the day you bring the sacrifice, which is really, as we'll see, the day after Pesach, that's when the counting begins. That means it all begins by bringing the sacrifice. And then there is a mitzvah of counting the Omer. It's a mitzvah to count the days. It's a mitzvah to count the weeks. And this mitzvah is done. You can't see it? No, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. That's funny. Okay. 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 It's a mitzvah to count the days. It's a mitzvah to count the weeks. And that mitzvah is done between the time the Omer is brought and the... Um, and the holiday shows. We need to understand why does the Torah say when should you count the Omer the day after Shabbos? Since the real intent, as we have a tradition, is that the Torah is not referring to the day after Shabbos, it's referring to the day after the first day of Pesach. 
So if that's what the Torah really means, why does the Torah use this cryptic language and say the day after Shabbos, say the day after Pesach? If that's what the Torah means, say it. This actually caused a lot of angst and frustration to the Jewish people. Because those who, who are called tzedukim, those who uh, disagree, don't believe, heretics who don't believe in the tradition of the Torah, they only believe in the written words, but not the tradition, they have their own um, way of of the, 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 they think is better than the tradition of the Jewish people to interpret the Torah. So they look at the words day after Shabbos and they say, oh, well, in order for uh, this to work, we have to have Pesach fall out on Shabbos. In order for Pesach to fall out on Shabbos, we have to manipulate the calendar a little bit so that Pesach will fall out on Shabbos. So they spent years of their life uh, trying to uh, mess up the calendar so that Pesach would fall out on Shabbos, which it does sometimes. And that way the, count, the Omer could be counted on uh, Sunday. So, and not just messed up years of their life, it also caused such frustration and hardship to the Jewish people to defend themselves from all these false witnesses throughout the year. They would come, because they, they were trying to set up the calendars. They had to make one day Rosh Chodesh, two days Rosh Chodesh. They had to do everything they could to, uh, thank you very much, to manipulate the calendar in order to get Pesach to fall out on Shabbos. That means they're thinking already Rosh Hashanah, uh, what they need, when they need to come, what they need to do in order to make this happen. What is... Um, huh? It's, 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 a little, it's different than reform. Reform is just amaratzim. Reform is... is uh, amaratzim means ignorant. Well, uh, let's, let's see how they started for a second. How, how, what, what does the word tzedukim mean? You know what the word tzedukim means? Tzedukim? There's two students. Of uh, yeah, Sadok and Baitus. Yeah, yeah. They were students of uh, Antigonus. Antigonus says, Don't be like servants who serve Hashem to get a reward. Be like servants who serve Hashem without thought of reward. So they thought, One second. So the, 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 you're probably not telling us to think about reward because there is no reward in the world to come. Yeah, we, we don't believe in the world to come either. So there's no world to come. This world also um, is, you're telling us not to think about any benefit in this world either. So the whole thing you're telling us is just like, the whole, your whole tradition doesn't make any sense, and therefore we're going to make up our own tradition. That was, um, that was that would let that, that their uh, mistake. But um, modern day um, uh, changes in Judaism, whether it's reform, conservative, constructionist, or uh, Pinocchio, uh, it's the same thing that, we've, that they felt that the Torah isn't um, able to fit in the modern world. They didn't believe in the eternity of Torah. They felt that this modern world needs to have changes in order for the Torah to fit. We need to adapt the Torah to the times. So they didn't believe in the eternity, the infinity of Torah. But the Tzedukim specifically wasn't the infinity of Torah they had a problem with. They had a problem with there being an oral tradition, that there is a, that the Torah, together with the Torah, their words, we got the manual to explain it from father to son. Anyway, so, so because of, of the Torah's words here, it created a, I know if the word is a, a, a created a whole frustration, civil war, I don't know, if it's not really, it wasn't a war, but it used to be able, there used to be a, an easy system to publicize when the first day of the month was. Put up a fire in the mountain, and you can see the next mountain, and, and everyone knows when it's Rosh Chodesh. 
But then when the Tzedukim came around, they put their own fires in their own mountains in order to, uh, in, in order to people should think it's Rosh Chodesh. They, 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 wa- they wanted to be Rosh Chodesh. And therefore the court had to send out uh, messengers and it messed everything up. So there's an easy solution here. The easy solution is just change the words of the Torah. The Torah should say instead of saying the day after Shabbos, say the day after Pesach, and everything is wonderful. Why does the Torah insist on saying this? And the answer is, is because the Torah is truth. And the Torah doesn't change for the sake of anything. Truth, truth remains the truth. As Imanity says, truth doesn't become more true because a thousand people believe in it. Truth doesn't become less true because one person believes in it. Truth is truth. So the question though is though, what is the truth about these words? What is the meaning of the words of the day after Shabbos? When it's not the day after Shabbos, it's the day after Pesach. Whatever day Pesach falls out, whether Pesach is on Shabbos or not, you still have to count the Omer from that day. Why doesn't it just say it so in the Torah? That's a question. Let's go to Ace Base. You and Zebek and Beer Klaus seems to Eimer understands the first prefacing the whole idea of the counting the Omer. The Hine is Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Kol Hamanaches Bois Menachitin. All of the flower offerings are made of wheat flour. With two exceptions, all flower offerings means all the offerings of. Uh, in, the, in the base of Migdash were made of wheat flour except for two the offering of the woman who is suspect of being unfaithful to her husband the Sota offering and the offering of that's brought on on Pesach the barley it was also both of those offerings were not wheat they were barley why is this woman who is suspect of being unfaithful. Why does she bring a barley offering? Because barley is the food that animals eat. And just like she acted in a similar way to an animal by being, un- by being unfaithful or acting in a way that is, it makes her even suspect of being un- unfaithful. So uh, that's why she must bring a barley offering, an animal food offering. So that explains why she brings the barley offering because she acted in a way that was, wasn't the way, way a person is supposed to act. But it doesn't explain. However, it doesn't explain why is the Omer offering that's brought on Pesach? Why is that brought from barley? Do I that the answer for this is because the purpose of bringing the flower offering is not is to elevate the animal soul, and since to elevate the animal soul, therefore it is an animal food. So we specifically bring. A barley offering made of animal food, you know, I think it's disrespectful for the base of Mingdash. It's, 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 we, 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 uh, we do this specifically because the, the purpose of this is, is to elevate the animal soul. So we bring something which is less prestigious in order to make ourselves more prestigious, <laughs> in order to elevate our own animal soul. You could, there's, there's an expression in the Talmud a donkey that carries books. You could have a donkey, and the donkey is carrying books, and the books are holy, and the donkey is still a donkey. So it, 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 we could have a very prestigious offering that's about revealing the godly soul and elevating the godly soul, and the godly soul having a pina colada in heaven and enjoying the deeper secrets of the Torah. But we bring this less prestigious bar- barley offering because Hashem wants us not to be the donkey carrying the books. He wants us to address the donkey. He wants us to address our animal soul. He wants us to focus on the animal soul and to see what's going on in your animal soul and help your animal soul be the way it's meant to be. 
that you can't ignore the animal soul. Torah says you focus on your animal soul. Focus on what you're thinking, because what you're thinking is what you're feeling, what you're feeling is what you're doing, and, 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 and address that. Talk to it. Talk to your inner child. All right. We are in the Hinei. The revelation that happened on day one of Pesach was something that God gave us without us being deservant of it. The revelation Hashem gave us on the, on the night of Pesach, Hashem redeemed us from Egypt, that was a gift that came from on high. God took us out of Egypt for the purpose of, of us serving him on Mount Sinai. He took us out, and that was something that he gave us, that he did for us. And our uh, service of Hashem begins then. He takes us out of Egypt, and then we must begin to serve Hashem. And this is the meaning of the Pasuk in Song of Songs. Draw me after you, and we will run. The king has brought me into his chamber. There's three phrases here. Draw me after you. We will run. The king has brought me in the chamber. There's a lot of um, uh, different parts, different things. You notice in the verse right away that discrepancies. First it says, draw me after you. You're drawing me. You're you're pulling me. Then it says, we are running. Both of us are running. You're only drawing me, so why are we running? And how come all of a sudden we're running when you were pulling me before, you had to pull me before, now, we're, now all of a sudden we're running, then it switches back and says, and the king has brought me in the chamber. So these three phrases are referring to the time of, that we left Egypt, the time of counting the Omer, time of giving the Torah, respectively, as we'll see. Draw me after you. That's referring to the revelation that Hashem gave us when he took us out of Egypt. That was a gift that came from on high. That Hashem... Hashem inspired us. Hashem inspired us. It wasn't just Hashem physically freed us from Mitzrayim. We also didn't really want to leave Mitzrayim. Our departure from Mitzrayim was because of the incredible revelation of Galilee we all experienced. And therefore, our, our deepest part of Hashem was touched. Therefore, we went. The glory of the King of all kings was revealed. And so automatically, we said, let's go. Let's go with Hashem. It wasn't because of us. It was because of Him. The Jewish people were immersed and obsessed with the 49 gates of impurity. But rather, what happened was, it wasn't us that went, it was Hashem. He pulled us out. That's the meaning of He drew me after Him. Something that God did for us. He drew us after Him. He pulled us. He revealed Himself. And He caused us to come. And that's why it says, draw me in the singular. Why in the singular? Because revelation was in a way that touched the godly soul. The godly soul was affected. The godly soul had, had this experience. Hashem revealed himself. Who saw Hashem, so to speak? Which part of us saw Hashem? Which part of us was affected? Our neshama sensed this revelation. Our neshama was drawn. What was our animal soul doing? It was asleep. It wasn't, it wasn't part of it. It was, it was asleep, it was ignored. And the Gali says, so we're going. The Gali says, no, Nesham was inspired, and we are going out of Egypt. And the animal soul's like, uh, okay, we, we just, just went along with it. But it wasn't changed. There's no change in the animal soul. 
Which is an interesting thing, you know, because you'd think the animal soul would also be affected. The animal soul is free from slavery, and yet the animal soul wasn't. Um, I wonder why the animal soul wasn't at least touched by the kindness of Hashem uh, and seeing all the miracles Hashem did for it, and uh, Hashem freed us from slavery, we don't uh, have to work hard. But it could be, I'm um, just thinking, I'm thinking a lot over here, maybe... Um, being, being in slavery for such a long time, being obsessed with the four ninth gates of impurity, so you interpret everything to be uh, according to your, your, your window of the world. So they had this slave mentality, as we see them, left them Egypt, they want to come back to Egypt many times. So the animal soul um, doesn't know how to, uh, didn't, didn't, didn't appreciate it. Oh, what's Makhli Bisrael? I'm going to send you uh, the Mimer. Uh, we're on page two of the Mimer. Um, how many dollars down we over there? Okay. Okay. We're uh, on page two of the Mimer, page 65, um, four lines down. Now, the Shabbos, the Shabbos, the Shabbos, the animal soul remained the way it was the same. didn't change. And that's why it says when the Jewish people left Egypt, it says the people ran away. Why did they run away? The Altarba asks in chapter 31 in Tanya, doesn't seem to make sense. Why do they have to run away? Let's say they would have told Pare, we want to leave and we're not coming back. That's not what they said to Pare. They said to Pare, we're leaving for three days and we're coming back. Pare didn't agree to our three day vacation thing. It never was on the agenda of Pare to agree to a vacation. The reason he allowed us to leave was because he had no choice. So if we would have said to Pari, we want to leave forever, that would have been the same kind of sale to Pari. There was no, the, the, the three-day thing never, never was, was something that he thought was uh, something particularly um, lucrative for, for Egypt. He didn't like that. He was against it. He was ready to get hurt again and again, not to let us, let us go for three days. So the reason he let us out wasn't because of the three days. Just three days, that wasn't it. He let us out because he had to. So why did Hashem tell Moshe and tell Pari, we don't want to leave for three days? Then Pharaoh's like, oh, they said three days, and they didn't keep their words, and then he runs after us. What was the point of that? What, and, and, and that created this whole frenzied um, experience in our departure from Egypt. We're walking out of Egypt. Oh, oh no, three days have passed, and we're still going. We're not going back, and the Egyptians are running after us, and then we're scared, and we're frightened, and, and, and we're by the Reed Sea. What was the point of that stage that Hashem set that we're running out of Egypt? So the Altib explains what this, what's going on spiritually. The, 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 the inner reason for us running away from Egypt, the deeper reason is because there's a part of us that wanted to stay in Egypt. So the running away from Egypt was a, a outgrowth of a more spiritual phenomena. We wanted to go back to Egypt. Our departure from Egypt is called running. Running doesn't mean that we're moving quickly or that we're escaping. Running means that there is friction in our departure from Egypt. That, that this is something which isn't natural. It's not like we're, we're oh, we're, 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 we're all um, into leaving Egypt. There's a part of us that says, stay, stay, stay. Where, where are you going? Are you crazy? So our going out of Egypt was, 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 was with a force. We had to push ourselves to go out of Egypt. That's what's called running. That's, that's the uh, deeper reason, says Al-Tarabah says. There's another message over here, and that is, in yourself, your animal soul tells you... Um, there's certain things that you cannot do. They're, they're not, you're not able to do those things. This is what you could do. This is something which is just beyond you. So many people say, you know, I'm, I'm going to go focus on that when I'm ready for it. 
right? People say that. It's not, they say that, you have to know where that voice comes from. That voice is the voice of the animal soul. The animal soul is telling you, one day we're going to be free of this, of this issue. One day you're going to I'll, I'll let you go. The green demons, they're not letting you go today to let you do, let's, let's say the thing you want to do is, let's say, um, you want to say carbonus before diving. Let's say you, 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 you're, uh, it's hard for you to say carbonus before diving. That's the thing you're not up to yet, let, let's say. And so you're waiting for your animal soul to say, ah, carbonus for davening is a thing. You want every part of you, like your whole being, every fiber of your being just like flow, ah, carbonus for davening. If you don't want to say carbonus for davening, there's nothing in you, that's, it's, it's never going to be a wholesome experience. It's, Whenever you begin saying kabbalas before diving, you know, you know what that's like? It's like grinding water. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this. And you have to push yourself to do it. And there's ne- always, always going to be two voices. The voice of Parai and the voice of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is going to say, you could do this. And Parai is going to say, you cannot do this. You stay in Egypt, you can't do this. And he's, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And that's why it's called leaving Egypt, because... You have to push yourself, you have to force yourself out of the, a limitation that you're comfortable with. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be called leaving Egypt. It's because it's hard, it's called leaving Egypt. So the way to, um, to respond to the, to the Pharaoh inside yourself is not to go. What, what do you tell him? Ah, don't worry, Pare. We're just leaving for three days. We're just going for three days. Just, just let me do this today. Just today. Don't, don't, you respond to the green demons in your head and say, listen, we'll talk about this another time. Right now I'm doing this just for today. That's the way to respond. That's just a, a, a lesson we learn in our lives, just on, on, on the side. But the inner meaning of the, the running away from Egypt is the Jew is running away from Egypt because part of him wants to stay. There's, there's, there's friction in that departure. And because the revelation of Hashem didn't touch the animal soul, just touched the godly soul. Okay, let's go a little further. Uh, let's go to the line that starts with the word Inyan, about third down the page. Inyan the animal soul remained in its full strength, and therefore there had to be this running away from Egypt, this escaping from Egypt. This is all because revelation was from above to below, it wasn't from within. It was Hashem revealing Himself, and the, the, touching the neshama, the neshama has this experience of revelation of godliness, and the animal soul is like, one second, where are we going? Let's stay here. The Jewish people were not vessels for the revelation. What felt the revelation? Only the Nisham. But after they departed from Egypt, they then encountered the Emer. That's from below to above. That's the idea of fixing the animal soul. That's the idea of rectifying yourself within, that you yourself should see. And, and the, the way the Nisham sees, understand what the Nisham understands, in the, in the way the animal soul is able to, whatever the animal soul could understand from about godliness should be understood and felt in the animal soul. That's below to above, making it personal, making it make sense to you, t- talking to yourself in a way that you get it, not just your neshama gets it, but that your animal soul gets it. Thinking about chassidus and tanya in a way that, that's, that resonates with you as a human being. That's what Sphir Saimer is, from below to above. And that's the meaning of the second phrase we, in the Song of Songs, we will run after you. That means that once the animal soul is touched, then you no longer have to pull me. I want to go. We want to go. The godly soul and the animal soul want to go. You no longer have to draw me after you from above to below. You don't have to pull me anymore. Rather, I want to run by myself. 
that from below to above, that from where I am, I feel I want to come close to you. That's why it says we will run because the animal soul is affected too and the animal soul is interested as well. The animal soul is also touched. Your humanness, your natural consciousness is also interested and excited to come close to Hashem. And that's why it says we will run and the word Merutza also means happy. Actually, Merutza does in modern Hebrew, Merutza means to be happy, but it doesn't seem like Rebbe is translating that. Merutza means to run. When the animal soul, but definitely not just happy, when the animal soul wants something, it's excited, it runs after it. So, unlike when we were leaving Egypt, the animal, we had to run away from the animal soul, we had to run, there was friction because animals didn't want to come. It uses the word running in regards to the counting of the Omer because once your animal soul, your humanness, your consciousness, yourself, your, wants to go after Hashem, you don't just go after Hashem slowly. When the animal soul wants something, it, it runs after it. Whatever our animal soul wants, it bolts, it, it jumps, it's excited for whatever it wants, it wants it more than the Galia soul. The Galia soul is a gentleman. The Galia soul wants things in a way that 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 that's that, that that uh the Gali soul wants things and it puts it in its place and but the Galia soul is, is not is not an animal. The Galia soul doesn't, doesn't want things in a way that's crazy. The animal soul is crazy, the animal soul is emotional, the animal soul is like I want this and I want this now. So therefore it says we will run. Because once the animal soul is touched, there's running there. When the animal soul is drawn to something, it runs. The animal soul does not know of walking like a gentleman. Rather, knows about running. Whatever, it's run, whatever it wants, it's running. Either it's not interested at all in godliness, or it's running after godliness. There's, there's only two um, frequencies in its um, movement. Either I'm not going, or I'm going all the way. That means once it's drawn after godliness, it runs after godliness. That also influences the neshama. The neshama's interest in godliness is actually enhanced by the animal soul's interest in godliness. That means when your when your humanness, when your consciousness, when your self, your animal soul, it loves Hashem and is interested in serving Hashem, your neshama is actually inspired by this. Your neshama is like, wow! And your neshama starts to be drawn after Hashem more than it is organically. Your neshama loves Hashem naturally. But by the neshama seeing the animal soul being drawn after Hashem, it causes the neshama to, to go after Hashem more than it did before. It also starts to run. We run. We is the godly soul wasn't running before. But once the animal soul is running, the godly soul is also running. I should initially... Huh? It's not that it's jealous, it's that... It's a synergy. It's a synergy, that's all right. That's all right. It's, it's, if everyone around you is excited about something, it makes you also excited about it. Usually the godly soul's attraction to godliness is a limitation. Uh, but by the Nefesh Bahamas, that's, that's the... Uh, it causes this, this attraction to godliness beyond limitations. And that's why the Torah says, we will run. Not just the animal soul, but also the godly soul. And how is this achieved? This is achieved through the counting of the Yomer, when Hashem gives us the ability to transform our 
our humanness, our animal soul, to appreciate and to be drawn after godliness. And Godwin tomorrow will see how this, um, what the last part of the verse is, the king will, has drawn me in this chamber. Go stop here.